Good afternoon. It is Saturday, January the 30th, 2021. I'm Leon Davis, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment. It's a weekly podcast about people, politics, and professions, and we appreciate you being here. I want to thank you very much. We have a, a really special show going on for you today. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, reconciling the filibuster. So s- some people may be familiar with the filibuster, but we're going to try to examine the filibuster and its use and misuse. Uh, a couple of things that I wanted to mention um, beforehand is uh, well, one thing. Um, so I am a uh, I'm I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't get an opportunity to watch a lot of television because I'm putting the show together and I'm listening to podcasts. Um, I think uh, podcasts are a great way to get information. It's a, a, a change in the dynamic of how information is being transmitted uh, people to people and the public com- and the uh, uh, national conversation is taking place in a lot of small areas and small instances. And we're one of those and we appreciate you allowing us to be able to help provide uh, insight and information. So right now we're going to get into our podcast for the day. This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. All right, everybody. Thank you guys for hanging out with me today. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Excellent. Um, one of the things I, I know we're going to talk about the filibuster today, but one of the things that uh, I so so for this particular conversation, Leonard is going to take the lead on this and then and then we're going to uh, support him on giving our views about the filibuster and what we've uh, come up with our own um, research on the issue. Um, but uh, one of the issue that I, I, I wanted to talk about and I only want to take about five minutes on this. Um, but I know it's an emotional topic and it's, uh, but it's, it's something I don't want to, uh, gloss over. And, um, over the past week, a week or so, there has been this, um, situation of Robin Hood, which is a, um, uh, which is an online brokerage and the situation occurred with uh, social media interacting with the financial world. And that this has been a very interesting for me, uh, topic that has come up. I found a link, um, where they talked to, with the CEO of Robin hood and they tried to hold his feet to the fire. And I don't want to say too much about the clip because I don't want to influence your decision. I want you to have an opportunity to see the clip and determine for yourself what you what you are looking at. But the clip is very good. It's uh, about, it doesn't contain too much technical data uh, as far as dealing with uh, investing and things like that. So it, it's, it's something that, um, that the professional and the non-professional can get something out of. And I'm gonna include that clip with the description of the podcast. So if you get a chance, to find the podcast on YouTube, on Twitch, um, on Facebook, or any of the audio resources such as uh, Spotify, 
um, iTunes or whatever, uh, go and uh, watch this clip. So I'm going to give uh, my, my co-host a, a quick chance to um, make some comments that they feel that they would like to um, say about that topic before we move on into the next one. Anybody want to start? Well, yeah. Well, with uh, what happened with that, uh, the way I, as as I was listening to podcasts and different news shows on YouTube, everybody's hollering because it was just the regular people on Reddit. There was a investment community on Reddit that decided that they would go against. Okay, so so I'm gonna stop you so that we can we can make it brief. Assume at this okay. point that people um, know they've heard about it. And I just wanted you to give your opinion of what you thought about what happened. I think it's hypocrisy. As long as the big banks and the big institutions were trading and betting stocks down and they were making money on it, it was okay. But when a bunch of regular investors finally figured out the rig game of Wall Street and learned how to make it work for them, now we got problems. Now we want to come in and we want to change up all the rules, SEC investigations and all that other stuff. Okay, Warren, did you have something? Yeah, what, what I think is really ironic about the situation is that Robin Hood, okay, I'm in. I'm a Robin Hood client myself. I, I have a, a few dollars in Robin Hood, not nothing big. I'm just a little guy, um, probably a lot smaller than the Reddit crew, but um, they were created to represent the small investor, people that were new people that didn't have a lot of money to invest, but wanted to, uh, try to get their share of the wealth. And what happened was from all outward appearances, I understand all that. What, what was your take on, I mean, I understand. Okay. So you you know you're going back into the history of it. You're okay. explaining the whole well, issue, and so well, I'm just. My opinion is that uh, it seems like they stepped in on behalf of the big guy, the corporate players, instead of the little guy. And I think it seems a little hypocritical, but that's just my opinion. So so, um, I understand. You know, from from what all that I've read, there were I, there were questions that I had that. Um, I was concerned that things weren't quite kosher on both sides of the issue. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Congress uh, do some investigations and get involved in um, trading and the securities industry. And I think that that's going to be key to uh, making the, the, the playing field level for everybody. Alrighty, so um, Leonard, we're going to talk about uh, the filibuster. It's your show. All right, thank you, uh, Warren and Leon. Thanks for the opportunity. Glad y'all with us. And anyone listening to the podcast, now I, I titled the show "Reconciling the Filibuster" because, especially in the Senate, it's not about just voting and passing legislation. We've taken a couple of things, budget reconciliation and the filibuster as a way to block legislation and pass legislation 
without really doing an up or down vote. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the filibuster, which was done. The history of it was kind of started back in the 1830s, 1840s, made popular by a senator from South Carolina, Calhoun. And all it was is at a legislature get up and he talks and he holds the floor to prevent a vote on a, on a piece of legislation. And it was designed uh, in theory to give minority opinions a voice on legislation. Minorities being political minorities and not necessarily racial or ethnic minorities, because back during the 1960s, uh, the Dixiecrats, which were Democrats that went to the end up going to the Republican Party from the South, they used the filibuster to halt civil rights legislation and to halt anti-discrimination laws. And the longest filibuster in history was done by Strom Thurmond of South Carolina. And I'm trying to remember the correct thing. It was 25 hours and 18 minutes that he stood there and you had just had to hold the floor. And then they came up with this super majority where you can't just have 51 votes to pass legislation in the Senate. You got to have 60 votes to pass it. So if you can't get 60 votes, there is no choice. You That legislation is dead. And when we talk about budget reconciliation, it was passed by Congress during the Nixon White House in July of 1974, where Nixon had decided that any money not spent, or if he wanted to, he could just uh, impound funds after Congress decided where they spent. Well, to try to save himself from his own impeachment and having to resign, he resigned his office in August of 1974. And what, the, what he signed in the law to keep him from impounding the funds to try to save his behind and his job uh, became the budget reconciliation, which is a way to get around a filibuster. But it can only be related to the federal government budget. It can be used one time during the budget year, or if, it, or if you never pass a budget, or if it wasn't used before, you get two times. Uh, like Joe Biden has it now. He can, he can get two bites at the apple this year in 2021. Uh, the Senate parliamentarian has to agree that what you want to use the budget reconciliation for is related to the federal government budget. And so in the last Congress under the previous president, they use, the Republicans use budget reconciliation to pass the tax cuts for the wealthy. Mm -hmm. And it was, and you know, the parliamentarian said it's related to the federal budget, tax cuts. And so Joe Biden uh, of top, of, of two of his top four priorities, they're related to the budget. So he could probably get those through, through using reconciliation, but 
you won't get anything else to run. Because even with the vice president voting, the best the Democrats will get is a 51 to 50. Okay. So that's what I mean by reconciling the filibuster. So we're using budget reconciliation and we're using the filibuster. So we got one way to pass some legislation in the Senate. And then we got this way to just hold it up and stop it. All together, stop. So tell me, guys, what do y'all think of these two concepts? All right, I'll start. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Warren's going to. I mean, you can go ahead if you want. Oh, no, you go ahead. Okay, so, so, so when you uh, propose the idea of talking about a reconciliation or the filibuster uh the thing that you know came to my mind is that it was a ploy used by some people to hold up or control legislation now we as uh, a democratic society um believe in the concept that majority rules if most people want something, then they at least get um, some movement on that. And the minority, while we, we try to consider their position, um, they've been voted out or they've been voted down or they uh, don't have as much influence in the decision um, as they would like. So what the, the um, filibuster does, and one of the things that you uh, mentioned was uh, the, the reason for the filibuster was to allow the minority party because it's about party lines it's about a political uh, strategy um, it allows the minority to then exercise an outsized or oversized influence in how government operates and functions so what happens then is that a vocal minority can then hold hostage um, legislation that the majority of people want. And that does damage to the concept of um, democracy. Now, I so, so we've got that supermajority. And so one of the questions was, uh, 60 votes to pass legislation seems counter to majority rule. So if you've got 51 votes out of 101 votes, majority rules. So the filibuster, so, so, uh, um, you talked about, and, and we're kind of mixing topics here, but you're talking about reconciliation and that's reconciliation is where you have to. So, so filibuster, filibuster allows you to, in the in course of discussing any issue, not just uh, any legislation, not just the budget. It may be, um, the, it may be, uh, immigration. It may be, uh, military issues, you can use the filibuster for anything. Now, reconciliation 
is tied specifically to the budget, to money and spending, which is Congress's purview. That's their responsibility as outlined in the Constitution. So so the fact that we call 60 a supermajority and that is a threshold that is even included anywhere is counter to democracy. Wouldn't that be the case? I mean, if I if if there's 101 of us and 51 of us vote for something, shouldn't that be the threshold? Well, it should be if you want to say the simple majority is most democratic. You know, moving it up to the super majority is taking it to a whole new level and making something different out of it. So. I think that kind of defeats the original intent of uh, majority rules. Yeah, what they like what when we talk about this supermajority, it's nowhere in the Constitution. It wasn't in the Federalist Papers. And if you read notes from the Constitutional Convention, which I was privy to do in my constitutional law class in college, it wasn't mentioned. So that's something that the bodies ruled on and was voted on later. Like I said, Nixon signed like, you know, like the reconciliation law. It's a way to break a filibuster, but it's only related to the budget. And you can only do it through the budget one time. So that's one time one time a year. So technically we were supposed to set a budget every year. Right. Uh and just, just talking about the record. Uh, oh, during the time that Dwight Eisenhower was president, in his terms as president, he got filibustered twice. Barack Obama got filibustered more than 500 times, six out of his eight years of president. No, well, let uh, me, can I, can I interrupt you a second real quick with a fact? Go ahead. Because you're talking about that. From my from my research, the four times I, I got my research said the four times that the filibuster was used was used by Republicans. I mean reconciliation. I'm sorry, reconciliation. Mm-hmm. The, the four times reconciliation was used. Let me go back. Because <laughs> I, I yeah I need to find my my document here because I'm because we're. We're mixing, I'm mixing topics, and I want to make sure that that I don't do that. Okay. So you go ahead and talk. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you finish your your? Warren, did you did you finish your last? When you yeah. were giving an opinion about the thing, did you finish up? Yeah, I, I yeah. Go ahead and uh, finish what you were, the point you wanted to make. Okay. So so. The in thinking that we were supposed to be a democratic republic, the house operates that way, but the senate refuses to. And I was looking at the speech that Mitch McConnell, who's the Republican leader in the senate, said, Oh, yes, I'm the grim, he called himself the grim reaper of stuff, and he's been known to let stuff sit on his desk. He's famous for not giving things their votes. Like Mary Garland, who's the current 
nominee for the U.S. Attorney General, he was one of Barack Obama's picks for Supreme Court. And they filibustered and wouldn't give him his hearing. And that was by Mitch McConnell. Now, when they finally took over the Congress, uh, the Senate, specifically under President Trump, the Republicans changed the rule because it used to be you could filibuster nominations to the court. They changed the rule that you just need a simple majority now, and they ramrodded a whole bunch of justices through. And like one uh, reporter said, the Democrats have got to learn the Republicans are playing the politics for keeps. And the Democrats got to quit you know, if they want if they want some of their stuff, they will have to play it for keeps like the Republicans did. But, you know, that's here nor there. But just, you know, you, you have this filibuster. And it goes against everything we said that our democracy was supposed to be. And when you look at it, the fact that it was used a lot during the 60s to try to prevent civil rights legislation, mainly by the South. Uh, and then, you know, I just, I look at the telltale signs, how things just come back to pass. Well, how did we get budgeted reconciliation under another president who was under impeachment, Nixon? And, you know, we got Trump under his second impeachment now. He has been impeached, as I tell people, impeachment is just bringing the charges. Right. Now can you remove him from office? The Republicans are never going to allow that to happen. He's not going to be removed from office. So it's uh, you can go through it for show, and that's what the old-fashioned filibuster was, where the politician get up and he talks, it's grandstanding, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just, can you wait it out? Can you wait them out? And, you know, they show tape of Ted Cruz doing a filibuster, the Republican senator from Texas, reading Green Eggs and Ham from Sam I Am. And, you know, we got serious business that need to be handled by a nation. And this knucklehead wants to read children's stories. Uh, they show Rand Paul, who's another Republican that loves to use a filibuster, show him about to choke on a piece of candy while he's doing his filibuster want, want to eat candy. I mean, let's get back to doing the people's business. Okay, so let me, can I interrupt you real quick? So, so Jimmy Olsen, um, so I, I, I'm using the name... Uh, that's placed in uh, the chat. Jimmy Olson asks for thoughts on Candace Owens. So if we have uh, time at the end of the show, um, I will open the floor. And if uh, anybody wants to make comments about uh, Candace Owens, uh, we'll do it at that time. But that'll be towards okay. the end. But thank you very much for that question, uh, Mr. Jimmy Olson. Um, I'm sorry. Did uh, I did hope I didn't throw you off um, your your track there so you know were you were you no. finished 
Yeah, I was about finishing up, so I was I was going to get, try to get some input now from you two. Okay, so so for me, um, through the years, uh, such as in, in any in any organization, there are going to be majorities and minorities. The minorities are always going to try to find ways to increase their power against the majority. So um, we are, um, when you're in the group minority group, you feel put upon when you don't get your way. When instance after instance, you're voted back or you're not heard or it doesn't seem that you're hurt. And so democracy at that point seems to be the problem. So the minority is going to see that democracy is the problem. They're not going to say democracy is the problem because if they say democracy is the problem, then we go to authoritarianism. And then um, under democracy, at least they get a chance to say something, whether it they get to implement anything or not is irrelevant, but at least they get to say something under authoritarianism, then they just become protest and they get squashed. So the problem I see is that um, when the, min the minority is always going to try to find ways to tweak the system because democracy um, of itself is designed for input from all sides. It's designed for uh, the minority to at least have a voice and influence the proceedings. But what happens is when they get a little bit of power, when they become um, part of a majority, let's say they find an issue that they become part of the major majority in, they realize that that eventually they're going to go back to being part of a minority. So, so if you're a, if you get a, a Republican Congress uh, or a Democratic Congress and a Democratic Senate and a Democratic presidency, and you realize that eventually you're going to go back to being the minority uh, in the Senate and the minority in the house and lose the presidency, you're going to try to put in back doors that allow you to at least exercise, at least stop the gears from rolling so that you don't get steamrolled when you are, when you're not in the major majority. So the filibuster, the reconciliation, uh, and there are other things in the, in the government machinery that's been implemented simply as a way to, to be able to stop the gears when I, when I absolutely strongly disagree with something. Now, everything has its benefits and its drawbacks, okay? Uh, so the filibuster, while it clogs the gears of Congress right now, let's assume that Donald Trump didn't get impeached. That Donald Trump that he didn't what? That he did not get impeached. 
Okay. That that instead of the the last election, um, instead of getting seventy five million votes, he got the eighty five million votes, and and Joe Biden got the seventy five million, which means that the country has now moved in the direction of Donald Trump. And so we've seen what kind of laws and and behavior that the Trumpites, I I don't care for that term, but it's just there to to identify something and make it easy to uh, talk about. Um, So 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 all of these things start to come about. So uh, the water starts to turn bad. The water, you know, we start losing. our monuments, our, our you know, land monuments. We started uh, doing more drilling on uh, on uh, federal lands, which causes more leaks, and the land starts to become more unusable. Um, and because they're in the majority, there's no way to stop that. So if there's not a filibuster, if there's not a filibuster, if there's not some way to gum it up, then we start to slide down insanity and destruction at a pace that can't be stopped. So the filibuster does offer an opportunity to at least um, gum up something that can be destructive, but it also can gum up a working government. And we, what I think we have to decide as a country, as a democracy is, um, is it beneficial to allow those tweaks, to allow those little bit of, little bit of, and I'm gonna use a, I'm a programmer and I'm gonna use a little bit of technical jargon, but we're gonna allow a little bit of that code to, control the whole system. See, our our original government was designed on the premise that good people will always rise to the top. That we will always seek to um, expel bad and horrible from our midst. What recently occurred was that a reality check that maybe that isn't the case. And so what do we do? What is the remedy if that case, that use case becomes reality? So so well, the, the next part, dictator is a dictator. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, the challenge is <clears throat> you have a risk reward situation. And now the bad actors aren't necessarily being punished for it. We got Donald Trump's in there. And because he has enough bad actors in the government, they're not going to let him be impeached. They're not going to let him pay the penalty of what he did. January the 6th show what will happen when you sell people a bunch of lives and we had a bunch of people go to the Capitol and insurrect an armed rebellion against the country. They went in there, they beat police officers. Three police officers are dead now 
as a result of that capper. <clears throat> uh, four other people died. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? The Republicans are not going to let anything happen. They're not going to let it happen. And you got a, you got a crazy woman now running around saying, yeah, let's take Democrats and shoot them. Before we talked and we worked out our differences, we didn't use filibusters to just gum up the works, as you say. We sat down, we compromised, and we dealt with people. We put a bill in it with some for everybody. The, one, the left side didn't get everything they wanted. The right side didn't get everything they wanted. But that was the way you do it. Now, especially with the incoming of Barack Obama as president, the right decided compromise is a dirty word. Working with the other side is a dirty word. Uh, well, hasn't that always been? Not, uh huh. Hasn't that always been the case from one side to the other? No, I don't. I think compromise prior to uh, during the Clinton. Um, presidency, there was well, some compromise. compromise there was some compromise. I mean, well, it became more strained. But... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, there was some, but I'm just saying. Historically, we have we have always had strike uh, opposition or opposing points of view on things, and uh, sometimes compromise just wasn't in the cards. You know, we end A up demonstrations and riots so compromise but a lot of times the government officials got together and did some compromise they got together and got stuff worked out uh and yeah you still got because that's one of the things of our constitution when you look at it is we're allowed we're allowed to peaceful assembly for the redress of grievances Okay, and just look at the look at the two ways you grieve. Last summer, when the Black Lives Matter was holding their grievances, they had to go through stacks and stacks of paperwork and all the extra stuff. And then when they were marching down DC, there was a bunch of police officers in military gear with mm -hmm. automatic weapons. And had something like January the 6th happened, they'd have been gunned down. And when you look at the films, and the video from January the 6th, where was that at? And these people broke into the Capitol. They bashed doors, bashed windows, got in there looking for people to kill and saying they should have killed them and whatever. Uh, the two women that went for looking for Pelosi said, we just shot in the head that we did our time. But we did our part. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Now, a lot of these people starting to claim it was uh, mental illness that made <laughs> them do it. They, they, they were being mentally challenged. Right. And, you know, and these people were leaving, Jeez. leaving, Man. leaving D.C. and going home. And these federal judges in their home districts were letting them off and letting, letting them off without bail, go on on your own reconnaissance. Anybody that was locked up and rebelling in an armed insurrection against the country, they should have first been brought to the court in D.C. 
And then they should not be allowed to get out, get out of jail on bail. They should be held without bail. Well, why do you think they would let go? My thing is, you look at the color of the skin of the people. Hold on a second. Now, Hold I on a second. Be... Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask uh, uh, Mr. Olson. Were you able to hear um, the other two people? Uh, have you? Are you? Uh, uh, were you able to hear them throughout this? At any point, were they like muted and you couldn't hear them? You have a second, Mr. Jimmy Olson. Jim Olson. Alrighty, so I don't know. Um, you might have been muted. Yeah, you might have been muted, and I uh, thought I unmuted it. I remember doing that, and I don't know why it, it seemed to pop off by itself. So, um, unfortunately, uh, we will. Uh, we need okay. or a monitor. Well. <laughs> what we need, what we need is, what we need is for me not to like lose focus, you know. Well, so anyway, so go ahead. Well, let me let me go back to, um, let me go back to your statement about uh, um, that protests are a form of um, non compromise, and and that's I don't think that that's the case. I think protests are just a way to say, hear me. I don't think you're hearing me. Sure. Mm -hmm. oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, that we're not compromising. The thing is, is that I want you to hear me. That's important because I don't feel like you are hearing me. So, um, as far as compromise goes, um, Compromise doesn't always mean it goes smoothly. So I'm in the majority on, let's say, uh, immigration. And you want to do immigration differently. Mm -hmm. And because I'm in the major majority, we do it the way I want to do it. Doesn't mean that wasn't a compromise. You had an opportunity to voice your opinion. You had an opportunity to be heard. You had an opportunity to input. Because mm -hmm. things didn't move in the direction you wanted them to move, doesn't mean that that wasn't a compromise. There are other issues in which you're going to be on the majority side and you're going to get more of what you want than what somebody else is going to want. That's what compromise is. Compromise doesn't mean um, just because I have a point different than yours, that you move off of your point. Compromise can be, um, in this in particular instance, you didn't get everything that you wanted. Um, and so if, if we had a 50, 50, um, voting situation and mm -hmm. one side wanted it this way and the other side wanted it that way, a different way. And then you meet somewhere in the middle that's easily recognized as a compromise. That's an easy recognition of compromise. Yeah. yeah but, but if, if, if the, 
outcome dependent on the simple majority, what does the major party necessarily have to give up to to win the um, the decision? Why should they? they why, why should the why should the majority have to give up anything? That's what I'm saying. So, so technically, technically, is that, that a compromise, compromise when the majority, majority got what they wanted and the other side may have sure. got nothing? Sure. Sure. You got hurt. Just because you got heard, mm -hmm. because you got heard, that is how democracy works. Movement of the needle is about convincing people to your side. The more people you convince to your side, the more likely you are to get something out of all of the negotiations. And if sixty percent, that's in theory. If yeah. sixty, yeah, that's in well, theory. so that's in theory, it's not always a reality. So that's that's where those little tweaks that we're talking about—the filibuster, the um, um, reconciliation—that's where those little tweaks yeah. interfere yeah. with the true function of democracy. Well, just like what's happening now, for example, in the state of Arizona, one of their Republicans put a law on the floor and they're trying to pass this law that says, well, even after we have a vote, if basically it's for Republicans, that if we don't like what the people voted, we can go up and we can change their vote, we can change their mind and say their vote don't count. Okay, and that, that's another one of these little tweaks, not necessarily designed to make the whole system work, but it's designed to give us the power to do what we want to do. Like one of the issues that Biden was running on was about uh, voter rights and mending the voter rights. However, in a bunch of states like Wisconsin, like Arizona, the Republicans are trying to make sure they stay in power over and above democracy. We don't care what y'all voted for. We're going to do this anyway, just like in the state of Missouri. You can put an item up on a referendum or you can put it on the ballot box and you can vote on it. You can pass it. But Missouri really run by the conservatives. If they don't want it, and by Missouri law, they can go just into Jefferson City when the legislature meet and pass the law to vote you down, to vote that down. Okay, so let me ask this question then. So if the Republicans in Missouri, and we're going to take Missouri for an, uh, an example. If the Republicans win the majority of statewide offices, okay, and then they go to Jeff City, which is the capital the, mm -hmm. of Missouri, state capital, mm -hmm. where they pass legislation. By the mere fact that they have, that they ran on a platform telling people what they wanted to accomplish, and the majority of people who voted, voted for them, then don't they have the responsibility to act out what those people want? Yeah. If that's the case, then then how can you say they're ramming something through? 
I didn't I didn't say that they rammed it through. In Missouri's case, they did. Okay. That's just the way their law is. In in Arizona, they're trying to put that law in where they can ram through what they want, irrespective of the voters. They can ram through something opposite. Just like the filibuster is allowing the Republicans in the Senate to block up what they don't want, no matter how many people in the country want it. They can they can they can stop it, and they and and they can hold it up. Even if seventy five percent of the people want a particular thing, they got this filibuster that says, "Yeah, we don't care what seventy five percent of our people want. We're going to ram we're going to ram through our way." Right, and that's so it, that's what we were given, talking about. I'm sorry, go ahead. Right, and it's giving the minority the choice to determine. With that way, they can determine what doesn't get done at all. And, you know, as you say, you gum up the works. Never has gumming up the works considered, been considered positive, at least in my years of hearing it. Gum up the works means you got it stuck, you grind it to a halt, and you do it. Okay. Now, we're going to take a quick okay. break and we'll be right back. I know okay. you care about the environment. And maybe you want to learn more about sustainability and climate action. Then join me on the Climate Conscious Podcast, where my guests and I discuss the issues of sustainability related to the Caribbean and beyond. Together, we'll explore practical solutions for managing our impact on the planet. Tune in every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at the Climate Conscious. Welcome to the so-called Oreos podcast. A podcast where Kia, Amari, Rachel, and Janae discuss all the awkwardness, hardship, and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside, also known as Norio. Trying to mind my business and be black, that's basically about it. Through intimate conversation and candid interviews, we discuss everything from quote-unquote talking white. You talk the way, which I guess is supposed to be like you talk proper, and I usually think black people sound ghetto and uneducated. That's yeah, how that's I perceive when you say too. you talk so what, white. You, mean you don't speak Ebonics? Traveling while black. It opened my eyes to a lot of just the small privileges Americans have. And then it also opened my eyes to, as a person of color, how difficult it may be to go to another country. It was just a lot of blatant racism. Dating as a black woman. There's just something about the Black woman who just really wants to support and see the Black man thrive. And even if I'm not in a relationship with a Black man, I'm still like... Gonna root for them. I'm still rooting for I'm always gonna root for you. I'm always. And a whole lot more. I just love being Black. So join us every other Tuesday for intellectual and funny conversations that will make you embrace your inner Oreo. I'm gonna light your shit on fire. That's I'm gonna it. tell your mama. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> what, what, hey, what if his Roberta, mama... yo, son cheated on me. <laughs> but you know, some mama be like, well, that's what men do, so why are you so Exactly. No. Old timey bullshit. That is not, I ain't that, having that is it. That's not okay. Hey, 
Experience Altitude Adjustment, a weekly podcast about people, politics, and professions. It's built around user interaction, so join the conversation by visiting the Lions Den stl.wixsite.com forward slash home. All right. And I, I made we're sure glad. the microphones were on, so we will have to, uh, I will have to go and check the video once this is done and and see how bad the art the if i'm the only voice that's being heard and i apologize guys um so so we are putting into place a uh mechanism to make sure that in the future this doesn't become an issue and i don't have to be smacking my forehead doing a face plant uh because <laughs> because i didn't uh, get the audio on correctly um so if you notice in that in that break, there's uh, a new podcast in there. And um, I try to reach out to uh, other podcasters because I think in this time, there are a lot of people doing podcasts. The number of podcasts has grown exponentially. And I listen to a good four or five hours of podcasts a month. Uh, I think there's a great source of information and I always try to reach out to ones that I think are Um, really interesting and that we can bring on. And this group of young ladies I thought was very impressive. Hopefully we can get them to come on and and talk with us about their podcast and their ideas. Um, So I'm going to take a minute real quick uh, to talk. uh, We had a question about Candace Owens. And I've mentioned her once before. And Candace Owens, I disagree with her politics. I disagree with her politics. And I have um, listened to her on many occasions uh, having a dialogue with someone else. And she tends to, uh, will over talk you, will over, will interrupt you um, when she disagrees with you. Now, Is that a good or a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing because I think it shows a lack of respect for other people's ideas. On this podcast, we try to respect each other. We try to listen to the one another. And even when, you know, we want to get a a point in, we try to wait to uh, respectfully join the conversation. Um, Apart from that, I don't know her specifically that well others other than you know what the video is saying i'm i'm guessing she's um her issues are very heartfelt and she's she sticks to those uh but again i think uh, i think many of the people that i have seen who talk about politics usually talk from a position of emotional attachment to an idea uh, and they're not willing to be moved One of the things that I try to do is, yes, I have uh, developed uh, uh, ideas based on things that I have learned over the years and I have formed an opinion, but I never make my opinion immovable because if I learn new information, if I learn something new, if something's different and I learn something from you, I have to be willing to change or I'm not better. I'm not getting better. I don't get the feel for a lot of the people that are in the, the public space right now. 
that they they take that same approach. And I'm not comfortable that she's taking that same approach. I don't know if one of you guys wanted to make some comments um, on that. Well, I've never heard her do anything live, but I've just heard of things, you know, I heard the things that, that was taped that she did, and there's no, I'm not impressed by her, uh, number one. I mean, yeah, we disagree politically speaking, but I can't just pretend, uh, just say, well, because I am who I am and I just believe I just have a different opinion. I can't get behind people who make it their mission in life is to hurt other people and call other people names and trash them down because they think different than you, which she does. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I've heard her say, I've heard like one of the people I like to listen to on YouTube or rebroadcast, Jesse Dollar. And he he talks about her carrying the water for conservative politics. And what she don't realize is the conservatives don't need her to carry water for them. They got their own water carriers. <laughs> uh like you say, I believe she, she tries to talk over people that she don't, that she disagree with. And like you said, when you're sitting here and you're exchanging ideas, you exchange ideas, you, excuse me, you exchange information. You talk about your differences, but you don't try to drown anyone else out. Like there was a, a panel discussion she was part of and it was the rapper T.I. Uh, was on part of that panel discussion. She tried that with him, and he just wouldn't accept it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think the way he went off on her was uncalled for. But he definitely stopped her and put it back in her place. Yeah. Yeah. I think Candace is a very, very intelligent woman. She's smart. Um, I think she's... Um, She's a conservative, but I think she's also independent and that she's basically her own brand. She's just trying to, to make a name for herself on her beliefs. And I think she sought uh, support or endorsement from the Republicans, but I think um, eventually they kind of kicked her to the curb. Matter of fact, I think it was that same show where she was on stage with T.I. where she actually said she wasn't a Republican. You know, I think she just uh, seeks to connect with the Republicans because of her conservative views. Um, I, I would like to see her do more uh, as far as supporting or uh, helping black, people, black folks because, you know, she's got a mind, she's intelligent, she knows how to um, address issues in her own way. I think we, we could learn some things from her if she were more focused on helping black people, but I think that's not her uh, plan. You know, she, she's her own brand, I think. Um, I notice a lot of uh, uh, black people out there are doing the conservative pitch, and uh, it seems like they like to go after 
this what they call the so-called black liberals. You know, this this one guy, I can't think his name right offhand. Escapes my memory, but I've been I've been listening. Oh, I think it's Larry Elder. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Mm-hmm. He's on. Sure. Smart I've heard guy. Several, there's several. There's several um, black conservatives that, um, and they all sound the same. They seem to attack the black community. Exactly. Um, they don't seem to show much respect for them. Because either you're not, if you're, um, if you are believing in the Democratic Party, then there's something wrong with you. You're not very, you're not using your brain. It's not a, it's not that you could be that that's your conviction. It's that you just don't understand or you don't get it. You know, um, I, I don't, I'm not trying to devalue uh, these people. I just feel like they try to devalue people who don't black people who don't agree with them. And, and so that's, and, and, and maybe that's not, it, it, it's my perception. So well, I, I, have, more I have a similar perception. They try to make their bones with the conservatives by insulting and jumping all over and railing other black people. That's how they try to make their bones with conservatives. And if you are true in who you are and what you are, you don't need to put anybody else down. You don't need to do that. I agree. You don't. You don't have to. Uh, All right. So we're down to, you know, to two minutes left. Uh, any last comments on reconciliation and filibuster? Yeah, I just wanted to say because um, I didn't get a chance earlier. I think one of the big problems with this whole. Um, idea of um, resolution or resolving these um, these votes or passing these bills is that with the two-party system we have, it's like, you know, you automatically, everything automatically becomes divided down the party line and folks are going to stick to their guns, whether they like it or not, they have to vote with their party. And I think if we had three, four-party system, there would actually be more room for uh, compromise with different thoughts and things because somebody, there would be more voices. Right now, everything's left, right, Democrat, Republican, and you're forced into to go with one side or the other. Every, You know, there's a lot of, um, like these Republicans that speak out against Trump. Then when it comes down to vote, all of a sudden, they turn right back around part there there's no independence in our politics whatsoever even when they they appear to be independent when it comes down to actually voting they have to go party line and i think that's the problem with the system all right nick last comment leonard yeah i was looking at a at, at a thing on the internet this morning and it was talking about with the way this filibuster working we got basically 11% of the country dictating what the other 89% are doing. Uh, with the Senate, everybody getting the equal number there. And you got 11% of the country, the minority dictating what the whole country does. Or as it were, dictating what they won't do. Okay, so you're done? 
I'm so done. so um, uh, earlier I talked about a, um, a fact on the reconciliation. The reconciliation was used five times, four times under Obama, one time under Clinton, uh, and it was done by the Republicans. So they've used it five times um, and all against uh, Democratic presidents. Um, democracy is difficult because it means being able to accept, swallow something that you didn't want or that you didn't want completely. And that's a difficult, that's a difficult thing to always be able to look at yourself and say, we, we did our best. We achieved our best when you didn't get everything that you wanted or things didn't go exactly the way you wanted, but that's democracy. It's messy and it's worth the fight because um, as long as your voice is being heard, you had a, an opportunity to participate and to, uh, to influence, you just weren't able to convince the people to do what you wanted them to do. We do need to audit our democracy to determine if we are living up to dem democratic values. The filibuster and the uh, reconciliation, I think, are way out of bounds in a, uh, in a democracy. I think a supermajority should never exist. And I think a simple majority is what a democracy is about. So we really have the opportunity to define our democracy the way we choose. And if we define it as 60 votes, then that'd be the case. And right now um, I have to swallow that because I am not in the majority. I want to thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Um, hey guys, uh, I, you know, I put into place how you can help me make sure that I, the microphones are hot all the time. Uh, we'll be back next week and we thank you very much. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares and comments so please like share and comment on this and other episodes of altitude adjustment because it matters and as always look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you